This was a sermon that I preached in Milneton on the 12th of June, and it was based on Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 5. And so I'm going to read what it is based on, and it's entitled Peace and Hope. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. But we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that our suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out to us into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I pray that this message will bless you and that God will speak to you through it. Jeez. Okay, now we are on. Okay, we have been on a journey. Ash Wednesday is the start of that journey. And it symbolizes from dust we came and to dust we shall return. That we came from nothing and we will go to nothing. But within those two frameworks, in that life that we have, we have a wonderful opportunity to invest in God's kingdom. That even though we leave with nothing, we arrive in God's kingdom, where we will be reconciled with the God who created all things. And that one day we shall return. That is the start. And then we go into one of two readings, depending on which year it is. And the first one is Jesus' baptism. Jesus submits his will to God's and publicly confirms it through being baptized by his cousin in the Jordan. To say, I am living for God's will, not for mine. Or otherwise, it's the temptation of Christ. Jesus goes into the wilderness and there for 40 days strips himself bare of all of his comforts and there listens for God's voice because he realizes for the next three years it's all about the mission, the mission of the Father. And so he sits and waits and is in terrible isolation in a very, very harsh place in order to have the mission confirmed on his life. Then it goes into Jesus' ministry. And so for a couple of weeks, we dive into the ministry of Jesus. And then we arrive at Holy Week. Holy Week that starts with Jesus coming into Jerusalem as the king that he is, but on a donkey, not on a war horse. And then things start to slowly shift. We know about Jesus going to the place of his father and there seeing that people are being excluded by the selling of goods and tips the tables. And he's incredibly, incredibly devastated and angered by what people have turned this relationship into. And then we see the Last Supper where Jesus serves those who will abandon and betray him. Where he serves those who don't deserve to be served but chooses to do that because that is the way of God. And then he is betrayed. And then he goes to Gethsemane and there he sweats blood and weeps 
and is broken. And then he goes through the arrest and the mock trial and his own execution. And we there on Good Friday to witness that the God of all is pinned to a cross. It is there that we are broken because we know that this was not God's fault, but this is our fault that Jesus is on the cross. But then we don't stay there. In two and a half days time, we gather together at the open tomb where Jesus says nothing in this world can hold him down. That neither sin nor death will ever be able to have the last word. And we celebrate and we are filled with joy and power because we know that Jesus is alive. And then we gather with the disciples as we reconnect with Jesus where Peter, who had abandoned Jesus, is restored and rededicated as the, the leader of the disciples. And then we go a little bit further where we see that Jesus ascends. He ascends into heaven, but it doesn't say he goes directly into heaven. We just know that he is covered by a cloud. Because it reminds us that one day Jesus will come back. And that he will come to restore the fallen world. And then last week was the end of the journey, where we remember that the disciples had been promised an advocate, a counselor, the strength, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And they come together and they pray and the Holy Spirit is unleashed and they are filled with power. And because of that day, the church is born and the name of Jesus Christ is known at every edge of the world. That is the journey. Now today is a day where we could move on, but I don't want us to move on. Because I believe that every sacred journey is there so that we can reflect and learn once again. What was the broad understanding that we got out of that journey? That we go back into the journey and we remember the milestones. And that we don't forget what we've gone through because that is the tangible change that God wants us to make moving into the rest of our lives. And we will come back to Ash Wednesday next year and we will have a totally different journey. I remember an annual journey that we used to take as a family every single year. June, July holidays, my family had escaped Gauteng. So just my mom and dad had come down to uh, Cape Town and here is the life that was for us. Uh, let's be honest. Anyone who's come from Gauteng knows that you do not want to go back. <laughs> but every June and July we did. Because that was our family. My grandparents, my uncles, my aunts, my cousins, the rest of our big family, all up in Gauteng. And so every June, July, we would wake up at 4 o'clock one morning. And we would take all of these cases and tog bags and food and cases of cassettes. And we'd have to squash it into our Toyota Cressida. And it was then that I realized that I played a game called Tetris. Because that's the skills you needed in order to get everything into the small space. But ultimately, there was always a time where everything from the back fell into the front. And it was just chaos. I'm sure you all remember it. We would always have breakfast at the same place in Beaufort West. I think there was only one place, the Wimpy. 
And then we would go on and it'd be a long drive. And then we would finally get to Bloemfontein. And then we knew that we were almost there. And just as the sun was starting to set in Gauteng, we would sort of move in there. And I remember starting always on the back seat. You know, as a youngster, that's where you were. Myself and my sister, then myself, my sister and my brother. And I remember us growing to the point where we could not all three fit on the back seat. It was there that I think we decided to invest in a station wagon so that we could throw the youngest in the back. And then there was a time where I got my driver's, my learner's license and I could co-drive for maybe half an hour. And then there was a time where I could sit in the passenger seat and mom could sit in the back. And then there was a time where I could drive. But every single journey was a different discovery of myself. And the same thing for these sacred journeys. And so for me, I'm going to tell you what I learned in the last journey. And maybe it's the same thing for you. Maybe it's totally different for you, what you took out of this journey. But maybe you can learn something from what I learned. In the beginning, in the first reading of this Lent, it was the temptation of Christ. And what Satan tries to do to Jesus is he tries to say, I want you to take a shortcut. I want you to surpass this whole journey of suffering and pain and hurt and dedication and perseverance. And right now you can just skip that whole thing and you can have the glory now. He says, okay, I'm going to take you to the highest point. I'm going to show you all the worlds, all the civilizations, and all of them will bow down to you if you bow down to me. And so what does Jesus say? He says, no, no, no. There's only one true God. I will only bow before him. And so then he says, you know what? I'm sure that you are starving. And, and you know, you've got all these powers because you are the son of God. And so take these stones and turn them into bread. Jesus says, the only bread that I will eat of is the bread of the word of the Lord. And then he says, you know what? If God really loves you, if God is really your father, if he really wants to protect you, I'll take you to the top of the temple. And you jump down and you show everyone that your God will come and save you. And he will send angels to come and take you. And so Jesus says, you never put the God to the test. He always uses the scripture to make sure that that shortcut was never even an option. But for all of us, Satan will give us a shortcut. You know, it's the end of the year. You need a little bit more money. You have to do your taxes. Does the taxman really need our money? And so take a shortcut. A little bit more money. There's a 20 rand. It's the end of the month. It's not mine. I don't know whose it is. But you know what? I need it more than whoever left it there. They obviously don't need it. It's a shortcut. There's a whole complexity of things that are going on. And someone wants you to face those complexities and deal with it. And it's easier to lie to not have to deal with it. There's something that I really want and I can save and I can save and I can go and get it. Or I can use my credit and then be able to get it quickly. There's a shortcut. My marriage is very complicated. There's been so many things that we have worked through. But you know what? It's hard to work through it. And so maybe it's better outside of the marriage. There is always a shortcut. And when we choose the shortcut, 
it leads to sin. It's always sin on the other side. And Satan will always love to have you there. So he offers you the shortcut. And it was this year that I realized that I had taken a shortcut in my own life. It's almost a year since my mother left this world to be with our father. And it was, it was the worst day of my life. 17th, was the 17th or 16th? 16th of July. It was exactly two years after my first heart attack. And we said goodbye to mom. I was there, my sister was there, my brother was there. And there was so much brokenness, so much weeping, so much devastation. And as I left there, I said, I never want to feel that again. Never. And so I threw myself as far as I could into my work. Because I'm good at my work. And I'm successful at my work. And it's over there that I can feel like I'm together. Like I'm whole. And so, literally from that moment on, that was my focus. Never go back to that situation. Never go back to that hospital room. Never grieve as you're supposed to grieve. I never went to the wilderness. I never went to Gethsemane. I never went to tipping the tables. I went straight to where I felt comfortable. Straight to where I could numb myself. Straight to where I was successful and comfortable. And that's a sin. I took a shortcut by not feeling what I was supposed to feel. Abundance and fullness only comes through going the full journey. And if it was good enough for Jesus to go through the wilderness, then surely I should have been okay to go into the wilderness and feel my brokenness and lean into God and know that there was nothing that I could do that could ever make it better, but that God was with me in that moment and I chose not to do it. And because of that, I am still broken. I have not come to a place of healing and wholeness. I have not been able to experience God in that moment because I have avoided it. And as it comes to a year, I still have not made time to do it. And this is where tomorrow comes in. So tomorrow I have to go back into hospital because my heart has not properly recovered. And it's because of the stress that I actually have not resolved what I had, was supposed to resolve. I remember the doctor, before he did my stress test, he said, have you been under any extra stress lately? I said, well, I've changed my house. I've changed my job. I've lost the person that was most significant to my life. So I guess I have. But I have not dealt with the grief that I was supposed to. And because of that, I am not whole. And because of that, I will have other symptoms if I do not deal with it. But so often in our Christian journey, that's exactly what we do. Is that we don't spend enough time in the wilderness. We don't go to the Gethsemane where we are broken and sweating blood and weeping. We try and take a shortcut out of those places of pain. In church, some churches, and not particularly ours, what they say is when you start the Christian journey, all that you're going to experience is peace and joy and hope and love. 
That if you are a real Christian, if you are filled with faith, if you have no sin, you are going to be rich, you are going to be healthy, and if you ever experience suffering or pain, it's because of your lack of faith or because of something you did. Now, all of the people of God, no matter where you start in the Bible, have all suffered. Jesus Christ, the only perfect human being, suffered. How on earth am I better than that? Part of the life that God has called us to live, the abundant and full life, is that at some points we will experience the wilderness. At some points we will experience Gethsemane. At some point we will experience Golgotha and the cross. But if we don't go through that, we don't feel the joy of the empty tomb. We don't get to that place of rebirth. We don't get to that place where we realize that God is still in control and His way is always the great way. We choose the life of numbness over the life of resurrection. And so let none of us take a shortcut in our faith or in our journeys. All that that does is it leads to a very small life. A life that God did not die for. He calls us to the full and abundant life that he so often speaks about. And sometimes when we are in that wilderness, we have to do some really hard work. If we are deep in debt, we need to repay. Where there are brokenness in relationships, we need to forgive. Where there is places of sinfulness, we have to deal with it. Where there has been addiction we need to actually get help and that's not easy but it is what we have to do in those wilderness places don't find the quick fix because they don't work we do have to face the problem that we should be dealing with and that's where we come to romans chapter 5 what does paul say so paul says Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace through God, with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Because of Jesus Christ, we have grace and we have new life and we have been justified. And we boast in the hope of the glory of the Lord. So we really do rejoice that we have Give, been given this grace and that we have this life but not only so we glory in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us now how many of you here have children most how many of you love your children okay those who don't love don't how many of you would want to protect your children with every fiber of your being amen and I've wanted to do that my whole life I mean since the moment that I held my two children there is no harm that I would ever want my children to go to 
You know, when they were tiny, it was great because I could control what they ate, where they were, what they touched, what they saw, all those kinds of things I was fully in control of. And then at six months, they started to sit and then they started to crawl and then they started to stand and then they started to run and then they started to climb. And the other day, my daughter was climbing a tree and she went, fell out of the tree and she hurt herself and I picked her up and I held her and it was, there's a part of me that says, I'll just hold you forever. Even as a teenager, as a 20-year-old, I'll just hold you because then I know that no pain will come to you. But how many of you want your children to have character, to have hope, and to have the Holy Spirit? Anyone here? And what Paul says is that from suffering comes perseverance and endurance. From perseverance comes character. From character comes hope. And from hope, it leads us to the Holy Spirit. And I think God feels the same thing for us. He would want to protect us from every single painful thing that happens in this world. And he wants to hold us and protect us. But he also realizes that that leads to nothing. We will never experience perseverance. We will never experience character. We will never experience hope. We will never experience the wonder of the Holy Spirit guiding us in the suffering. Unless we allow those spaces. And so for all of us, this is what God is speaking to us. Is that there are so many people suffering. We are suffering. There are people suffering. But the wonders of the Christian life is that we are not doing this alone. That part of the mandate of the church is to go to wherever there is suffering and pain. And to remind them that there is hope. To go through the journey of, of suffering. And then to endurance and perseverance. And then into creating character and wisdom. And then into understanding that out of that comes hope. And then leading them to the Holy Spirit. And that's where our power lies. And if we can go on that journey with people who are suffering, they will always be able to cope. And so it's lovely in this church where we get to sing hymns and sing of the beauty of our God and to read the scriptures and to hear the word. But if we only have it in here, we are avoiding the suffering. The suffering is out there. And so as part of the mandate of the church, we need to go and bring those words and bring that joy and bring those songs and bring the words into the world where the pain is at its worst. Those who are unemployed, those who are in poverty, those who are hungry, those who have no shelter, those who are in addiction, those who have no hope, those who don't believe in a God. Where is your hope? And they will never find the hope unless there is someone walking with them, letting them know that suffering is the path to rebirth. The wonderful story of this journey is that we go through this journey every single year and the story never changes. But yet we get fixated about either staying in the wilderness or staying in the, the ministry or staying in Golgotha where we need to take this journey is to the empty, into the empty tomb where we get that rebirth, the resurrection, the new life. And then take it a little bit further where we get people around us. 
and we prayed together. And it is there where people prayed together that the Holy Spirit was unleashed in power where people were sent out and the world was forever changed. If we want renewal, if we want new life in the world, we've got to go through the journey. And the journey has suffering and the journey has joy and the journey has questions and the journey has doubt. And the journey has rebirth and the journey has people together and the journey has prayer and the journey has the Holy Spirit. Don't miss out any of those factors. Otherwise, you don't get to the end point. And so that's my challenge to all of us is if we take the shortcut, we will have a life that is not one of glorying God, but a one of protecting ourselves. And why are we trying to protect ourselves? It leads to brokenness. It leads to not being whole. It leads to stopping our healing. But if we choose to go through the process, that's where we find the abundance and fullness and the life that God saved us to live. And so may we all be challenged. May we all be blessed through this journey. And may God be with you wherever you are on it. And may he bring you through on the other side where we are empowered by hope in the Holy Spirit to change the world. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we are all so guilty of taking shortcuts. It is something that is just a part of our human nature. And Lord, if we had to go through our whole lives, we can pinpoint the shortcuts and where they lead, led us into emptiness and hurting and heartbreak and where we lived a life that was not of the quality that comes with knowing Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will journey with us wherever we are on our journey. And though the route sometimes feels familiar, that you will show us where the next step is. Lord, if we are avoiding the wilderness, if we are avoiding the suffering, Lord, Step into that suffering with us. You know what suffering feels like. And so we are never alone. But Lord, I also pray that we as the church will join all of those who are suffering. So that never, never in the story of the church that anyone suffers alone. For this is what we were made to do. Is to bring compassion and love and care into those moments. So that we can equip people in order to find perseverance. And so that they might find character, so that they might find hope, and that ultimately we find the Spirit and a new lease on life. So Lord, we are your church, we are your people, we submit to your way and not to our way. And so Lord, all those who are broken, all those who need healing, all those who are not whole, help us. For the tears that we have not cried, Lord, guide us back. So that we might there find the healing and wholeness we so badly need. Thank you for teaching me in the story of Lent. Amen. Amen.